going to do it today. Uh, yes, my lovely wife will be doing Children's Church, uh, unless we are really set on canceling it, but we, uh, we uh, did make arrangements and she did preparation. So I realized during the first service that sitting down without somewhere to put my beverage does not work well for me. So I need a desk or a pile. I don't know. Clutter follows me. Uh, let's, uh, all right. So children follow Jessica downstairs for children's church and, uh, we will pray and we will dive into our, uh, text this beautiful Easter morning. By the way, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Okay. So here's the deal. I'm going to sneak that in periodically and, uh, I'll just go longer if I don't get a good loud reaction every time. So you're warned. <laughs> let's, uh, let's pray. Uh, heavenly father, I, I, Come to you this just beautiful Easter morning with these wonderful people in this this time of uh, celebration and fellowship and and just thank you for the blessings you've given us. I thank you just for being an awesome God who who loves us and us enough to to send your Son for us who who gives us peace uh, that that just exceeds all understanding that that uh, is never ending that we have we have hope in tomorrow and and. Uh, beyond tomorrow, we have hope uh, when we mourn. We have hope when we are in joy. Uh, thank you so much for for the blessing of that. Uh, be with us today as we uh, as we uh, hear the word this morning. Uh, plant your seeds deep in our hearts, uh, Lord God. I I pray that you would uh, just help them to find good good setting, good purchase. Help them to to sprout into something beautiful and amazing, and and that uh, you would just. Uh, just touch our hearts this morning. I, I pray that you be with me as I share the word. Help me to be faithful uh, to the word. Help me to be uh, sensitive to the spirit. Uh, and help me to not get in the way of your message this morning. In Christ's name, amen. Um, it, is, uh, it is Easter and we are here to celebrate that he is risen. He is risen indeed. Oh, see, there it is. Uh, my camera is not pointed in the right direction and my cameraman is laying down. Uh, Happens when you hire family. Uh, I so a very long time ago, I worked in uh, mental health. Uh, I did that for uh, almost ten years. I know I never mentioned it. Uh, one of the things, hey, sit. One of the things that we did uh, as a part of uh, of that setting, like as a part of that job, we had a high ropes course, right? And if you think about that, these are like. Uh, did did the camera come back? Okay, uh, if you think about like, so if you, if you picture this, um, a high ropes course is, uh, we, we were 40 feet above the ground, right? And we had four or five different like, uh, uh, um, you know, setups. We had one where you had to kind of, Titus, Titus, plug it back in and go sit somewhere else, please. Okay, just, just go sit somewhere else, please. I love you, son. Go, go. Um, so, uh, the, I lost my train of thought. Obstacles. Yes. So we had, we had things like we had a, we had a Burma bridge, which was a, like a wire and a pair of wires on either side. And you had to hold on to it and try to walk across. And we had, uh, one that was like a pole with like ropes at different intervals and you had to kind of grab at ropes. Uh, we had ones that you could only solve as a group. 
Uh, we had one that was like a ladder, like uh, telephone poles set up as a ladder, and you had to climb. And it required, it really required two people. It was not possible to do it. And as a part of, uh, as a part of my job, I was a chaplain, I did several trainings. Uh, you're still touching that wire. Uh, go sit by Ann. Go, go sit by Ann. Now. Um, as a part of that job, I did trainings. I learned to facilitate groups. I learned to uh, rescue people if they got stuck, uh, which was a lot of fun. Like, I, I learned to climb up without gear. I learned to, uh, you know, untangle and cut ropes and all the other crazy stuff that nobody in their right mind wants to do. And, like, like having done it enough, there was one obstacle, one, one uh, thing I never figured out how to do properly. I just never did. It was uh, this pole and a bell, and you would climb and stand on top of this telephone pole, and you jumped out, and you would hit the bell, and that was the goal. But I could never get onto the telephone pole because it didn't matter where I was. Like, I could do it two feet off the ground, right? Like, they had a version of it that was two feet off the ground for you to practice with, and I could do it two feet off the ground, but for some reason, between the distance between two feet and 40 feet was enough that I just could not mentally unplug and realize, like, oh, wow, like, I'm not actually going to fall to my death. This is a piece of rope, a short length of it, from that, my last training I did, actually. And this is enough to hold several cars, like, several cars in the air. Like, you could raise up multiple cars and hold them off the ground. It is incredibly strong rope. It is, it is darn near impossible to break it just by sheer force. Um, you know, yanking or pulling or whatever. Like, and so this is tied around your waist. You got a whole like setup and there's just no way you're going to fall to your death. Like it's not going to happen. And knowing that, knowing I was safe, still my eyes would look and it's 40 feet down. And like it didn't work for me. It did not work for me. I could not make it, uh, as to where my brain would say, oh yeah, um, I, it's, it's like I'm on the ground. This particular piece is separated because they did a rescue training and everybody had to have, had to be on both ends of the, the, the spectrum once. And so you're hanging up there, they tie you off, and this is my tie off, and I'm hanging probably 30 feet off the ground, just hanging there, and somebody had to come up, come over, lower down to me, tie this piece of rope that was the size of a shoelace. No joke, a shoelace. And then they would cut your rope and you would fall about three inches. I'm going to tell you, farthest three inches I've ever, like, I, it was a mile and a half in reality, and, and it was terrifying. And I, I remember, like, the, the, the sensation of, you know, suddenly you're not attached and you're accelerate, 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 and then it catches. And, um, and you knew it would, but the um, experience of being caught was very reassuring. Everybody with me? Um, it is Easter morning, uh, and uh, we are here to celebrate that he is risen. He is risen indeed. Thank you. Uh, and, and we are here to talk about the resurrection. We are here to talk about the reassurance that we have in Christ. Um, one of the things that Christ, can you bump my slide forward? Uh, one of the things that Christ um, tells us, one of the things we receive through the cross, is peace. We receive a promise of peace. We receive a reassurance that we are saved, that we are, you know, in God's hand, that there is a rope attached to us that will never let go. 
Um, and I am having nothing but trouble this morning. Everything worked perfect for first service, and now it is all gremlins. So uh, now that Jess isn't here to rescue me, uh, the kids are probably playing video games in the back, and that's what's messing me up. Um, so, uh, John, a little background before we dive into our text. First service we did, the first half of, did I wander off the camera? Okay. Uh, the first, uh, the first service, we did the first 18 verses of John, and that, like John 20. This is the, the, um, the moment where, um, yeah, I need you guys to run the slides for me. I'm just going to use my iPad separate. I can't, it's not working, and it's just going to, I'm distracted, and it's taking me forever to get anywhere, and I'm at the moment a little lost, and so, uh, we're just not going to do it that way. Uh, so somebody needs to sit there. Thank you very much, Jake. Uh, and so uh, John's, uh, John is the author of this particular book. John is writing to Jews, right? Like his audience is all Jewish people. It is people who were Jews in diaspora. That means spread out all over the world. They were uh, very Hellenized Jews, meaning that they had like a whole lot of Greek culture built in. And they were sort of um, like abroad, right? Like people who were living in different parts of the world and had taken in different kinds of culture and philosophy and stuff like that but they were still very serious Jews. And so he's writing to these Jewish people. There's a very Jewish audience. um, And his presentation of the resurrection is a little different than the other guys. First off, because every guy emphasized something different in order to make the point for their audience. It doesn't mean that they don't fit together. It's a little more like if if I told you a story, I would include more detail than you could possibly need, right? Um, if I were to tell you about moving bales, I would tell you about the fun of like spearing through them and like the challenge of not destroying them. Larry would tell you about the tractor, right? Because he's a farmer and I'm not. Uh, so, um, like that is why there's variation here. That is why we don't see where each of the gospel writers, uh, duplicates his presentation of the resurrection has, uh, Mary, uh, going to the tomb, finding it empty, finding the, that no body is there, going and getting John and Peter, and they go and they find the tomb empty, and they all go home. Mary sees Jesus, uh, talks to him momentarily, and um, is told, like, hey, you can't hold on to me. Uh, I, I have to go to my father, and that is what's happening now. And so, like, there we are. I know this is scattered, guys. I'm trying really hard to fix my slides. This is very frustrating We have not had this level of trouble in ages and ages, and this morning. So, um, ancient Jews believed certain things about the resurrection. They believed the resurrection would accompany the Messiah, right? They believed that was coming. When Jesus went to Lazarus' tomb, right, which is just a few, like two chapters, actually like five chapters earlier in John, he's at Lazarus' tomb, and the sister, uh, Martha, says to Jesus, like, hey, if you were here, you wouldn't have died. And Jesus is like, well, your brother will rise again. You know that. And she's like, well, of course, at the resurrection, at the end of time. Because every Jewish person believed, not every Jewish person, the majority of Jewish people, not the Sadducees, but the, the regular like rank-and-file Jews believed in the resurrection. They believed that there was a rope there, right? Everybody with me? They believed that rope was going to hold firm. They believed God's promise about the rope. But it is quite a different thing to say there will be a resurrection and, hey, let's jump off this cliff, right? I mean, that's a step. And so the Jewish followers of Christ, his, his, um, his people are there and they are waiting on, uh, the resurrection. They know the resurrection. 
resurrection will come. Christ has talked at length about the resurrection. They know this stuff, but they're not sure yet because they haven't seen it. And Jesus told them, hey, I'll be raised on the third day. And they heard it over and over and over again. And the only guy who really kind of gets it when he sees the empty tomb is John. But they were all still hopeless, right? So one last thing, as resurrection is explained in the New Testament, when you're resurrected, it is a physical resurrection. Heaven will not be babies on clouds. Got it? Without diapers. Like they're always, they never have diapers. It's weird, and I would not want to be the guy who sweeps up heaven. Um, but like, like it will not be like that. It is a physical resurrection in the body. And we see that with Christ. When Christ is resurrected, he eats food. So like arguably, there will be some sort of eating involved. We won't need to eat. I'm assuming we'll do it because eating is awesome. Right? Like food is good. Like it is a blessing God has given us. Um, and so like there are different things that we know about the resurrection, but we will not be resurrected in bodies like we have now. We'll be resurrected in glorified bodies. Paul talks about this. The idea being that it's, it's a little like fish in water. Fish have a certain kind of flesh about them that makes them able to live in water. If I try to live in water, right, if I lay in the tub long enough, my hands are going to get all pruny. And weird. And eventually, like, it's not good for me. Like, I, I assume I would drown eventually. Um, like, because I'm not made to breathe underwater. I'm not made to live in water. Um, we will be made in a kind of flesh that is suited for living in God's presence. Right? Standing super close to God in his presence, eyes open, seeing him and not destroyed because of our imperfection and sin and stuff like that. And that's part of why, like, when you see Christ after the resurrection, he, like, does stuff that's pretty amazing that normal people don't do. And we'll get into that uh, forthwith. Um, so the first big idea as we get into the text, the very first thing that Jesus says to his disciples, now mind you, like for context, they've spent their, like, like they've spent years following Jesus. They've seen him perform miracles. They've seen him control the weather. Like who controls the weather but God? They've seen him walk on water. They've seen him raise the dead and give sight to the blind and all of this cast out demons and, and like he has done amazing stuff. Um, and then he was like, they show up in Jerusalem and like Palm Sunday, we talked about this, how they were like ramped up. It's going to be like a big thing. A huge deal is going to happen. And then Jesus was dead, period. No, no angels coming from the sky to fight a battle. No, you know, Romans getting kicked out, like hung on a cross, the most humiliating thing like, like possible, a sign for Jews that God hates you, jammed through the heart with a spear, right? Like the spear went in under his rib cage, it would have pierced the pericardial sac and the heart, which is why Luke describes water and blood flowing from his side, and he was dead. And then they're standing there on the other side, I imagine saying, oh my gosh, what happens now? Do we go home? Peter goes home and starts fishing again, actually. Um, but like, what do we do? What do we do? They were probably dumbstruck. And then Mary comes running into these guys and says, guys, the body's gone. Somebody stole him. And they run to the tomb and they see the clothes and they see it's empty. And they're like, what happens now? And they're, you know, probably arguing about it. Like, well, did they steal his body? Are they desecrating it somewhere? Has he been hung up publicly? Are they like, you know, what's happening? And John believed because he tells us he believed uh, in his gospel. But here we are. We are in this spot. Um, and Jesus' first appearance to them, Mary came and said, hey, I saw Jesus. And they're like, yeah, you're a crazy woman. Get out of here. Because women are emotional and crazy. That's what they assumed. Not the case. They saw, she saw Jesus. She talked to him. She touched him. So, you're bump me forward. 
on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Now, really quick, they're in a spot where like any one of them is dead, right? You know, the the temple authorities decide it's time to round up the rest of them. They're sitting ducks because they're in Jerusalem. Cities are not that big at the time. There was nowhere to hide. Like, this is it. They are all in an enormous amount of danger. And they're behind locked doors, and they're hiding, and they're afraid, and they're mourning, and they're terrified, and they are there. And everything is as bad as it's going to get, right? They even took his body. Can you believe they do that? They lock the doors because it's safer, but it's an illusion of safety because I'm guessing if enough guys show up at your doors with swords and rams, they're getting in. Fair enough? Sorry, my mouth is getting dry, so I'm going to. um, So they're there. They're terrified, and they're hiding. And Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Now, he came to them like through a locked door, right? This later became an argument for, oh, he was a ghost, but he wasn't. All right, because he also eats with them, and like the assumption at the time was ghosts don't eat. Fair enough, right? You don't touch ghosts. Um, you know, and actually it also sort of runs against like, oh, they had hallucination. They made it up. Well, it's like 11 guys. There's no such thing as group hallucinations. Got it? Doesn't happen. Um, so he stands amongst them, and he says, peace be with you. The word is shalom, something or other. I did not learn the other word. It was a very common greeting, but in John's gospel, he's about to emphasize peace be with you. How do we know? Because he says it like 10 times in the following verses. And why does he say peace be with you? Well, I'm standing in a spot where I'm terrified somebody's going to kill me. Peace is something I want, right? Actually, how many of y'all like watching the news in the last five, six years have found yourself in a spot where it was like, oh my gosh, what is going to happen now? Right? How many of y'all have stood out like and watched your, you know, I farmers in the room, right? Like stood out and looked at your fields and thought, oh my gosh, what happens now? What am I going to do? Like we find ourselves in spots sometimes in life where everything is so broken and lost and we're terrified. And it's really hard to trust the rope. It's really hard to trust the truth of the gospel. It is really hard to trust anything because it's scary. And what Christ says is peace be with you. Why? Because he has showed up to bring peace. Um, and John emphasizes it. You want to bump me ahead to four, uh, the next? He actually, if they were thinking clearly, they would remember not long beforehand, Jesus said to them uh, in John 14, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. He also said in chapter 16, a little later, Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Uh, You should have bumped it ahead there. Sorry, I didn't tell you. Um, What's he saying? He's saying, listen, everything's about to go sideways. 
You're going to get chased off, scattered to your homes, which is actually what John said. They left the tomb and they went to their homes. Like everybody has run off and hidden. They've all gathered up and they're terrified. They have no peace. But Christ is saying, listen, I'm leaving, but I ain't leaving you with nothing. I'm leaving you with the Holy Spirit who is going to give you peace. Not peace like the world gives, real peace. And I'm going to tell you, we live in a world that will promise you peace at every, like, turn. You know, hey, if you... You know, have this. If you vote for me, I will give you peace. You don't have to worry about money. You don't have to worry about war. You don't have to worry about crime. You have to worry about this and that. You will have peace. If you, you know, buy this car, it'll be safe and nobody will ever die in a car wreck again. It'll be wonderful. If you, you know, get new cell phones from us, your family will be close and they'll all love each other. And it'll be peaceful and wonderful and it'll be great. You won't have to worry. You won't have to feel bad or anything else. Like this is the promise we get. Even drugs, like you take these drugs, you won't be depressed anymore. It'll give you peace. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with taking antidepressants or anything else. Just hear me out. I'm saying that the promise the world gives over and over and over again is a peace, but it's not a real peace, right? It's not a real peace. It is a peace that looks like peace, but it's not it. Um, it's like chocolate chip cookies, right? You ever find a, like, see a great looking, I love chocolate chip cookies. You, know, you bite into it and the, the, bits like melt in your mouth and everything else but then every once in a while somebody tricks you and it's got raisins in it instead of chocolate right it's a fake piece not a real piece it is a piece that is that is just a mirage Uh, you want to bump me ahead here so repeated mention of peace like is meant to draw the idea to the forefront so we're going to see peace again and it, like, understand it's repeated for a reason. So Jesus appears to them physically alive, right? He also imparts the source of their peace. That's important. Because there's a lot of weird theological discussion about this passage. And, like, it's silliness. Got it? Like, it's not a thing that you need to get wound up about. But, like, here we are. Jesus said to them, again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Just peace be with you. I am with you. Like peace, this peace, I promise you, get it. It is yours now. Um, And the Father sent me, and I'm sending you. So you're going to go out and do your job now. And then he goes on. He says, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive sins of any, or the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. So there's some stuff going on there, but what we're going to tease out of this, what we're going to look at is he breathes on them and gives them the Holy Spirit, right? Well, what about Pentecost? Yeah, that's also the Holy Spirit, okay? What he's receiving, what they are receiving, the Holy Spirit um, in us enables us to understand, enables us to see. You ever encounter somebody who would see something so obvious and they were blind to it? Like we see it, the Pharisees all the time would encounter Christ and they were blind to the truth. People who like, um, it actually says that some people who saw the risen Lord like doubted it still. Because the Holy Spirit overcomes our doubt. The Holy Spirit overcomes the sin in us that doesn't want to believe or that gets in the way or wants to rebel. Like the Holy Spirit makes things possible for us. And what he's doing, breathing the Holy Spirit on them, he is giving them like the ability to experience peace that comes from the Holy Spirit. To understand in a way that comes from the Holy Spirit. Pentecost, we have like like spiritual gifts and miraculous stuff. These guys, their eyes are suddenly open and they're understanding. And that's what really is going on there. 
it, there's no second, third work of grace, anything else. Like, I'm sure nobody's ever heard of any of that. If you ever do, just ignore it. Um, the idea here is he's giving them, he's saying, listen, I'm leaving, but the Holy Spirit will be with you. And you'll have peace because the Spirit is with you, because I am with you. So the bump me ahead, oh, probably two, because you're behind now by two slides. Three. All right, Jake, you got to, like, follow me and watch the slide. Oh, Jake, can you do you got to keep up with me, okay? Um, so the peace Jesus spoke of is only found through the resurrection and imparted through faith given by the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Like the peace that Christ is saying, listen, I am giving you peace, but not like the world gives. It is not a peace that's just a feeling. It is a state of being that is being a new creation, being something brand new in the world, right? Like it is a peace that comes with like, I am now alive. I used to be dead. I am forgiven. I used to be in my sins. I used to be an enemy of God. And beyond that, I know there is a resurrection. How do I know? Well, because I've seen the rope work, right? I've seen it work. I've experienced it working. And I am able to see, like, because Christ is the first fruit. Christ is the proof that resurrection happens. Paul points to that over and over again in his writings. Like, hey, if you don't believe in the resurrection, then you don't believe that Jesus rose. Jesus is the very first one. Like, this is the time of year, one of the coolest things to me about this area. As you're driving down the road, you'll look and you'll see the rose. You know what I'm talking about? The, the till rose or whatever, what are they called? Is it the furrows? And just now you start to see the little green lines. You know what I mean? And I'm guessing at some point in time there is one single leaf that comes up, and it is the first one. And you know that it is the first one. And that later there will be, you know, 10 million more. Christ is that first sprout. This resurrection is the first sprout that will be followed by so many more. And it'll be, it'll be our lost family, right? Those that are in Christ will be raised. It'll be, you know, it'll be moms and dads and and um, neighbors and, and anybody in Christ will be raised. And that is it. Christ is that first fruit. And it comes with the Spirit. Like you can only have this when the Holy Spirit is in you because Christ was raised. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. So now watch this. Mary told the disciples, and they were like, yeah, you're a crazy woman. So they said, not me, I wouldn't say that ever. Um, and now Thomas. By the way, Thomas gets a bad reputation. Um, he's also quoted in another spot where Jesus is like, all right, going to Jerusalem. And he's like, hey, you realize how dangerous that is, right? He says, yeah, we're going. So, all right, we'll go die with him. That was John, uh, Thomas. Like, so Thomas kind of gets a bad rap, but he's um, maybe a little less severe than all that. Like, I think he's impulsive and says big things. Um, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my fingers in the mark of the nails and place my hand in his side, I will never believe. Wow. Setting the bar high, right? I got to see it myself or else. I will not believe if you don't show it to me. Bump me ahead. Thank you. 
Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. And can you imagine what those eight days were like? Right? Like, hey, Thomas, we saw you. No, no, he shows up or he didn't, you know, or it didn't happen. Pictures or it didn't happen, right? I think that's an internet thing. Um, eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Again, what's the phrase? He is risen. And, well, all right, he is risen. He is risen. Thank you. Um, <laughs> thank you, Mark. Peace be with you. He says it again. Why? Because Thomas, does the phrase, all right, so like look at the, look at the transition here. The disciples believed. They fell down and they worshipped him and they were excited and overjoyed. And Thomas is like, yeah, I don't buy it. You, you bring him in here. I'll put my finger. This is like his friend, right? Like one of his closest friends, the person he believed was going to restore the world. And he says, that guy walks in the room so I can stick my hand in the holes. I'll believe. Does it sound peaceful? Does it sound scared? Does it sound hurt? Does that sound deflated at a whole level? And you'll find people in this world who get mad at God. Say, well, God doesn't exist. I, I remember once there was this young lady I was, I was working with uh, when I, I was doing, um, she was in our drug treatment program, and uh, she was such a pain in the neck. Uh, she would come and she would argue with every word that came out of my mouth when we would do Bible study. She, would, she didn't want to be there. She'd just show up and argue and cuss at me and just be horrible. And it, she, like every other kid resented it. Like, cause a lot of really kids who were like finding Jesus at the time and she derailed everything. It was just a pain in the neck. And then one day I, I, I kind of called her. I'm like, Hey, why do you hate God so much? Like you don't believe in him, but you get mad when we talk about him. Why do you hate him so much? Like you believe, like you clearly believe you just don't like him. And then she stopped and she sat for about a minute and everybody was waiting for her to throw something at me. And then she talked about this horrible thing that happened and said, you know what? I, I will never deal with God again because he allowed that to happen to me. All right, that is Thomas. Thomas is broken because he had so much aspiration and hope and it was elevated. And losing hope is an awful thing. It's that three seconds of falling and you think this is it. It's all over. But the truth is that Christ showed up. I'll I'll believe when. And then he says, peace be with you. And it catches tight. Let me ahead one. Um, then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. I'm guessing he also said, oh, no, I buy it now. Right? <laughs> like, oh, I was just talking big. I always picture that like when people are on the Internet and they say crazy stuff. And then like if the same guy walked in, they'd be like, oh, I'm sorry. Um all of that hope came rushing back in. The rope caught and Thomas didn't fall because Christ was risen. He is risen indeed. <laughs> and Jesus said to him, you have believed because you have seen me. Blessed are those who have not seen yet have not believed. Now, oh, I got to love that. It means, what he's saying, he's like, look. So John, by the way, John goes to the tomb. If you're in the first service, you heard this. John saw the empty tomb, saw the grave clothes, saw the face cloth, like, like folded and everything, and he believed immediately, right? Mary didn't until she saw Christ, but she saw him first. 
And then the rest of them, like, saw him and talked to him and believed. And he says to him, he's like, look, guys, you believe because you see me alive, because you put the fingers, because you did this stuff, you believe. But those who believe without having seen it believe because the Holy Spirit has filled us with peace, right? You believe because the Spirit is in you and gives you peace and gives you knowledge beyond what you would normally have. And the rope caught tight and you're given hope. You're given a future. You're not falling into the darkness. God is bringing you home. And so it goes on uh, 30 and 31 here. Now, Jesus did many signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. This is the purpose statement for John's book. He comes to the end and he says, look, guys, I could have talked forever about this, right? And this sermon is a perfect illustration. You could talk forever about the resurrection, about the new life in Christ, right? But that is not necessary. John gives as much as we need to know. He witnessed the resurrection. He saw Christ alive. He saw him dead, saw him buried so I'm alive again. So I'm ascend to heaven. And so my encouragement, my challenge for you this week is, like, as we celebrate Easter, as we celebrate the resurrection, as we celebrate new life, believe. Believe. And don't just like, oh, yeah, I believe that's true, right? I believe there's a place called China. I basically understand that it's possible and there are pictures, so sure, why not? There's China. China's presence, like, apart from when I buy stuff at Walmart, doesn't really affect my life, right? Not at the moment. Hopefully not any time in the future either. Um, But to believe in something in a way that matters is a whole other animal. I believe this rope will hold a semi. I believe it. But it's a completely different thing to hang from this thing and not fall to your death because of it. Real belief, vital belief, faith that changes your life and changes who you are comes about as a result of not just believing in an intellectual way, but believing in a truth that your whole future depends on. Um, I had a, uh, years ago, just as uh, pregnant, was uh, before Abby was born, she was pregnant, we told everybody we knew, oh, we're going to have a baby. And then we went for our first ultrasound and, there, and the baby was not alive anymore. And that was that. And I, we, we were crushed. It was hard, like one of the hardest things I ever had to go through. And I remember there was a pastor who was a friend of mine. He was a clinical uh, head at Basher. And he sat down with me and we were talking. And I, I was shell-shocked still. Like, this is like two months later and I was still hurting really badly. And he said to me, he, he had a daughter that died when she was 16. And he said, you know, when my daughter died, um, that's when my faith changed. Because I didn't need heaven to be real until then. After that, I needed it to be real. Because his rope got cut, and he fell his six inches, right? And one day it'll catch. He needs the rope to be real. He needs Christ to have risen, because then his daughter has risen too. That is the hope. That is the peace we get. So what is peace? I'm going to cover this a couple of ways. I'm going to try and do as much scripture as I can in this. Um, Peace, as Jesus described, is not as the world understands it, which we get from what Jesus said earlier, right? At the time, there was this thing called the Pax Romana, the Roman peace. Rome had conquered the whole world, and nobody fought each other anymore. You know why? 
because they would kill you if you did. There was a rebellion that happened not long before Christ started his ministry where uh, the Bar Koba rebellion, I think, but I may have the wrong one. Um, the Pharisees were involved. They fought this huge rebellion against Rome, uh, and it did not go well for them. And they lined the roads from Jerusalem to Rome, like from basically the Middle East to Italy, with crucified Pharisees to prove their point about not rebelling. That's a heck of a piece, isn't it? That is when I walk into my kids and I say, behave or I'll beat you. Right? But I'm not, surely I'm not the only parent. Mark, come on. (laughs) The Pax Romana is the peace that is offered by the world. Like a peace through force or a peace through escape and like pretending. Jeremiah tells us for from the, from the least to the greatest of them, everyone is greedy for unjust gain. And from prophet to priest, everyone deals falsely. They have healed the wound of my people lightly, saying, peace, peace. But there is no peace. Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? No, they were not ashamed. They did not know how to blush. Therefore... They fall among those who fall at the time that I punish them. They shall be overthrown, says the Lord. What's going on here is the people of Israel at the time had become so rebellious and they just didn't care. There's a version of peace where you don't care, right? Yeah, I'm at peace. I don't care. I did it. I don't care. I, maybe I'll die tomorrow. Don't care. Maybe I'll this tomorrow. Maybe this will happen. Maybe that will happen. I don't care. That's not the peace that God offers. It's not a peace through kings. It's not a peace through wealth. It's not a peace through worldly power. Um, peace, as Jesus described, is not what the world understands. Um, the peace that comes from Christ, the peace that Christ gives, and doesn't like it doesn't make sense to those around us, around us, around Him at the time. It's more than just optimism. It's a result of being in Him. This is Philippians. Therefore, in the Lord always, and again I will say rejoice, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Anybody doing well with that? Right? Don't be anxious about anything? Anybody anxious more or less all the time? Right? It's almost like there's something that we should be looking to to find that peace. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. What's he saying? He's saying, listen, we can get stuck, right? We can get stuck focusing on garbage. We can get focusing on the broken parts of the world. We can get focusing on our our sin, on our mistakes, on our failures, on the brokenness and death that happens around us, around the people who like failed us or abandoned us or whatever. There are all these things that we can get stuck focusing on. And when I'm focusing on this stuff, what am I not focusing on? I'm not focusing on the fact that I got a rope that keeps me from falling to my death, right? I'm not focusing on Christ. I'm not focusing on the fact that God has adopted me as his son, as his child, that he bought me with the blood of Christ, and I'm forgiven and made new. And so when I worry, when I get stuck, worry 
is worry. We all experience it. Some of it's chemical. It is a whole thing that happens. But what he's saying is, listen, the Holy Spirit in us, you invest in that. You pour into it. You focus on it. You lean on brothers and sisters around you in Christ. You, you do these things, and there's a peace that comes with it. I might struggle. I might hurt. I might die inside every day, but I still know. I still know it is well with my soul, right? I still know that there's eternity. I still know the rope is going to work. Um, Does it mean it will always be easy? No. Anybody who tells you that it will be is lying to you. Got it? Um, I was reading about uh, great people of the faith, actually, and it is uh, one of the most amazing things to me is you'll come across these people who had enormous faith and did huge, crazy things and, like, suffered depressed, worried, afraid, and always continued to hold on to the rope, knowing this is my only source of hope. This is my only source of peace. Christ risen from the dead, the Holy Spirit in me, that is it. And that is for us. We look to Christ. We ask. We pray. And when we pray, we say, well, you know, what if God doesn't come through? And I can look back and say, well, when has God not come through? And if he doesn't come through and he loves me, then maybe it's for my own good and I need to trust that. And that's hard. Peace is also a result of the reassurance, like of the reassurance that we have through Christ, of the reassurance that we have in the Holy Spirit. We know he is control and how the story will end. So watch this. Um, You ever read a book? where, like, the main character is in, like, is telling the story, and they're in peril. And, like, you get really into it, and you get really worried, and then suddenly you stop and think, like, wait a minute, he's telling the story. Right? And every once in a while, you get a really bad author where, like, the guy dies, and he's like, well, that's my story, and I'm dead now. And it's like, well, shut up. You can't do that. Um, In Christ, we know eternity is real. We know that first sprout has come up at the end of the long winter, right? The snow is melting away and those first blooms are coming up because Christ is the first fruit, the first one, and we are next. Our brothers and sisters who are departed are next. Like, we know that'll come. And if I know that's how the story is going to end, I can be afraid in the moment, but I have peace that comes with it, right? I have reassurance. I have, I have understanding. When I stopped that day and like the my pastor friend talking to me i said well you know then i will see this child like i i don't get to see it until one day but one day i'll introduce my my other kids to you know the the i don't know girl or boy whatever like in eternity we'll stand together um and i get reassurance in that that's peace um Jesus tells us he's overcome the world and cast out the, the ruler of this fallen world. Like we know that the evil in this world will not win. You can watch it on TV. It's everywhere. It ain't going to win. Christ wins. Period. Bad things will happen now. It's our job to resist that. It's our job to preach the gospel. It's our job to overcome it. But Christ has overcome. The sting of death is the power of the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Meaning like sin... And death, gone. Right? I don't have to worry about my sin. I don't have to lay up at night and say, oh my gosh, I'm in trouble. I can set my mind and my heart on the resurrection, on the death of Christ for my sins. Like, I can focus on that stuff and I get peace because he is risen. All right, I'm almost done, so I had to double check. Uh, little children, for you, have, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he is in the world. Um, I'm going to wrap it up just summarizing, guys. 
the Christ we serve, the God we serve, is bigger, stronger, more all-encompassing than anything this world has to throw at you. Death, sickness, depression, anxiety, addiction, sin, stuck in one thing or another, one kind of brokenness or another, watching the people around you who you love struggle, like the God who is in us is better than that. I, uh, I was, there was a thing on Twitter for a while, and it really bothered me, uh, where it became a popular thing where, like, like people, there'd be a school shooting, and there were the responses, oh, we're praying for you, we're thinking about you, and they're like, thoughts and prayers don't do anything. Do you know that they made quiet prayer in front of abortion clinics illegal in England? Like, we prayed for that to end, you know, how long? And it's still happening, but it's a whole lot less. Prayer works. Prayer is terrifying to the enemy because we serve a God who is bigger and better and more powerful. Pray for an end to the violence in our country and it'll happen. might take a few decades, but in Christ, in real faith, his believing people have power. I don't want to be a political sermon, I'm sorry. Um, as you walk out the door today, as you celebrate your your holidays, you eat your Easter dinner, as you everything. Remember, we're here. We're celebrating. We are overjoyed because Christ died for us and was risen. We can set our hearts and minds on that, and we have victory because He is risen. Let's pray, Heavenly Father. I pray um, those of us who have believed without seeing, those of us who have received your spirit, and your peace, that we would be peacemakers for everyone that we come across, that the words that come out of our mouths, the way our hearts treat the people around us, the attitude in us, everything, Lord God, that it would bring peace on those that we encounter, those that we speak with, those that we deal with. Let us be peacemakers. Let us be known as sons of God. And I pray that your peace, which surpasses all understanding, would fill us. Not a peace that's all about earthly power and worldly strength and money or anything else, but like a peace that's about knowing Christ and knowing the resurrection and knowing that we'll be reunited with you and and each other in eternity. Amen. Have a good Sunday, guys. Oh my gosh, I didn't think I'd get to the beginning of this. (laughs) 